Send the light, send the light, the blessing gospel light, let it shine. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Brother Michael Bolton. Brother Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good, Matt. And you? Oh, I am doing well. You are involved in a lot of foreign work. In fact, just before this, you were <laughs> doing some foreign work. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the foreign work that you are involved with right now? So I'm working with brethren in the church in Cambodia, in Bangladesh, and in India, most of my work is involved in Zoom studies, Zoom call studies. We're studying through the scriptures. Right now we're studying uh, kind of a verse-by-verse still or a chapter or something like that through the book of Acts. And I just wrapped up a study on baptism, uh, kind of a special study that's related to that. Cool. And how many different countries are you involved with? In total, four. As far as I know, we don't have any faithful churches in Nepal, but I you know, we've got some leads there that I study with on basically a weekly basis. That's awesome. And I've only been on one of the Nepal studies, but they seem pretty excited. And they are. They're, they're and, great guys and good students. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you've tuned in today. Our hope and prayer is that we're able to bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and really explore what the Bible says regarding these topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there uh, Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible study courses by mail, and we also love to study the Bible with people in person. So feel free to reach out to us on our website, at www.cedarterracecoc.com. You can reach us at our Facebook page and YouTube channels at Cedar Terrace COC or the email address and phone numbers listed either on the screen or in the podcast notes. Brother Mike, last week we talked about the Romans road to salvation being, well, the wrong road. Right. And uh, we believe that because it's what the Bible teaches and it's what the Bible illustrates. But today we want to explore, you know, how, how do we know that the Bible is to be trusted or the title of this episode, the reliability of the scriptures. And that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, before we start, Brother Mike, you want to open us up in a prayer for our study? Certainly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us for your traveling mercies uh, given to us on the way here today to, to this study. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we have a conversation about your word. Help us to properly understand it and interpret it and apply it to our lives and help us to have faith in what you have told us and revealed to us in your word. Help us to learn from it, Father, your will so that we can be pleasing to you and have a home in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, the reliability of the scriptures is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And there's different paths that you can take through it. I mean, you can talk about the reliability of the original manuscripts. You can talk about the reliability of our English translations today, which is one that I'm especially fond of. Um, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy it because, you know, especially when it comes to the English translations, like, yes, there are errors in many, if not all of our English translations. But if you explore those errors and you, you, you've, kind of go through the different issues that arise, it actually really, to me, it makes my faith in the scriptures even stronger. Uh, today, we're going to talk about more the reliability of 
of the manuscripts, like the original writings. Is that right? That's good. So when it comes to, you know, the Bible being inspired, there's kind of one passage that just, in my opinion, just kind of trumps them all. It's kind of the the passage that we use to uh, confirm the reliability of the scriptures, uh, which what's, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, it's on our notes, but even (laughs) without the notes, you probably knew what I was talking about. Uh, second Timothy three, verse 16, all scripture is breathed from God. What do you, what do you think? What, what comes to your mind when you think about that passage? First thing that the first word, all, Mm -hmm. everything in the scripture is God breathed. Now I I've had one man tell me when Satan tempted Job, was that God breathed? Well, no, but the record of it is. So we can trust the record that that actually happened. And we also know, going to that point, God sometimes used unfortunate events as a result of free will to accomplish his purpose. And I see Job as no exception to that. A great example of that. We also have John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. You know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty... Pretty straightforward. That was one of the passages that led to my conversion. Really? How did that, how, what did that have to do with it? turned me away from the doctrines of men and from the articles of faith and the denomination that I was in hmm. and made me have confidence in the scriptures alone. That's awesome. That's the power of the scriptures. That's right. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. 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 You Couldn't know. have said it better. <laughs> that passage, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that, that The first phrase of that passage, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, comes from one Greek word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but one <laughs> Greek word, and that's so, to me, that's so powerful. The Greek word, according to Thayer, means inspired writings from God. Like that one word is, is exactly what it means. Luke says in Luke 1, verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You know, and so when I read these passages, what I think is that the scriptures that we read are trustworthy. You know, as long as they are a legitimate translation of the Bible, uh, of, of those original manuscripts, they're trustworthy. Everything from the hands of those whom God chose as authors can be trusted. In Mark 13, verse 31, the Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never, shall not pass away. You know, that's powerful too. It's so complete, it doesn't need anything to add to it. So if nothing's going to be added to it, there's nothing, nowhere for it to go. It is finished. Careful, you you might be talking about uh, you know Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and oh, <laughs> no more revelation. No more revelation. Right. Jude verse three, the faith that was once right. and for all delivered for the saints. Since this this Bible that we have, this collection of books, the Biblia as the original language uses, since that is complete that really does negate any future revelation or any additional revelation because that would imply that this is not complete. That's right. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1. Um, if an angel from heaven even yeah. revealed something else to you, 
But let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Mm -hmm. The gospel that I've given to you, even if I came back, the Apostle Paul says there, and preached something different. This is the gospel you believe. You let me be accursed. Don't love me above the word. You love the word. And these these men, Paul was inspired by God, right? You know, and for him to use that powerful direct language, even speaking of holy beings, you know, to me that just there's no question from from a ten thousand foot view. There's no question that the Bible is inspired and, and the original writings were perfect. You know, obviously you can you can get deeper and deeper and find more arguments and more you know different things that people say but it's perfect the scriptures imply that it's perfect once in a while there will be a passage of scripture i should have looked and and compiled a list of them Uh, but once in a while there'll be a a scripture that translates from the original language to english perfectly many times that's not the case you know there's many times you know koine greek is a dead language and you know there's there's many times that they had to uh, find the closest appropriate word for things. But there are um, passages in Scripture that it, it's perfect. In Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I pulled five different Bible translations off my shelf there, and that passage is translated that exact way in every single every one. one of them. Because it's, per- it's a perfect, you know, perfect translation. Which, which implies that there's no disagreement between that original Greek word and its English counterpart or English right. translation. Um, so, yeah. Carl Johnson, who's a, a great friend and brother in Christ, uh, he says about this passage, he says, This is a proverbial statement of the imperishable nature of Christ's words. The physical universe will one day come to an end and pass away, but the words of Jesus will always be good. And there's obviously plenty of passages to back that up. Right. Brother Pearl was very eloquent, and he's spot on with that. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord's words are imperishable. I did a little research on First Peter 1, I'm, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1, uh, verse 21. And William Ramsey, uh, an Oxford scholar from many years gone back, said that when we refer to the Bible as perfect, that word from the Greek means infallible. It's incapable of error. If we take that, I mean, these guys are smarter than I am. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If we take what they've said about the scriptures and their understanding of those dead languages in the description of the scriptures, how powerful is that and how important is that for us to understand that there's no error in the word of God. You could really, I mean, really get deep into apologetics yes. on this topic. Um, <laughs> I might have mentioned him before, uh, an author I really enjoyed, Lee Strobel. I'm sure right. you've heard of I've him. I've heard of him. You know, Lee Strobel was an atheist. Like right. he was, he was anti-God. And uh, his wife, behind his back, started worshiping, uh, going to a local uh, church. She was invited by a friend and she was going in secret. And uh, he finally found out about it, or there was some something with that. He found out about it, or she invited him, or or whatever. And he was getting frustrated with her bringing in more and more uh, godly, um, you know, points of godly living into their lives. He said, "Yeah, I didn't sign up for this." And so he was an investigative 
investigative journalist and set out to disprove God and converted himself <laughs> by himself. Uh, He's not the first. No, no. That's, uh, yeah. The interesting thing about that is with his background of being an investigative journalist, he was obviously a very, uh, very good in that, that field. Right. He's very well respected by his peers. The things that many people point to the scriptures and say, no, it's wrong because of this or because of that. He brings those points out and says, no, that's actually validation of right. the scriptures. You know, the eyewitness accounts, you know, the, the, yep. the eyewitness accounts, sometimes they, ha- they, they aren't exactly the same. And he said uh, in a court of law, actually, that's validation. Uh, that that's validation. So, I'm gonna let's go on. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so these passages uh, that that really back up, we've got Revelation 21 verse five, right? For these words are true and faithful. John 10 verse 35, the scriptures cannot be broken. Uh, we mentioned Jude 1 verse three, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. James 1 verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty like every time the 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 bible refers to itself and to its writings it, it's perfect it's inspired it's infallible it's without error you know it's just it makes no mistake about itself that's right there's no mistake and what's interesting about the scriptures and one of the major proof points for the scriptures is it doesn't hide the mistakes or the sins of its heroes yeah it talks about how peter failed Christ, how he cursed Christ, how Judas betrayed him. It talks about David's sins. It talks about Abraham lying to to try to save his own life and things like that. The scripture doesn't hide those those glaring inconsistencies in its heroes, except, of course, in the Lord, there was no inconsistency in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the Bible even illustrates with Jesus, we know he was perfect. Old Testament prophecies imply and, and state that right. there would be a perfect lamb that would come to be that sacrifice. But he did, he faced temptation. You know, it wasn't that he was never tempted, therefore right. never sinned. The Bible records that he was tempted without sin. Right. And I, I personally think that's significant too. Very significant. So the Bible is perfect. We can agree on that, right? Absolutely perfect. <laughs> the interesting thing kind of like with what I said about Lee Strobel, there are even people who are not God-fearing men or, or women who state things and say things to validate the inspiration of the Bible, which is blows my mind. The accounts found within the Bible are verifiable with political, historical, and scientific records. Yes. That's incredible. I was reading... Just recently, uh, Wayne Jackson's The Bible on Trial. And in, in that book, it's a, it's a pretty deep book, um, he goes into great detail about the things that show the validity of the Scripture. And he says, and I quote, there are hundreds of examples of Bible accuracy. Talking about geology, talking about... Uh, the way buildings were built, talking about the customs of the ancient peoples, talking about battles that were fought and, and lands that were conquered, gifts that were given, 
talking about geography, um, J.W. McGarvey quotes in his Lands of the Bible that Luke's description of the Aegean Sea and the islands in the Aegean Sea is one of the most accurate descriptions from that time period to be found anywhere. And they've been verified 100% over and over and over. I There's people that try to refute believing in God, atheists, right. agnostics, some agnostics. But when it comes down to it, everybody... Everybody, you and I included, when we have a belief, we try to prove that belief based on presuppositions we may have. The interesting thing about it is, you know, my obviously I am a God-fearing, Bible-believing person. And so when it comes down to creation and how the world came to be, I can look at Genesis right. and it tells me it's the only account that states how the world was created. And that fits with science. There's nothing about science that disproves right. that account. However, on the flip side, those that don't believe the Bible have to strive to find their own um, you know, answers and beliefs. Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham. Uh, I, I enjoy a lot of their material. And, and, and his debate with Bill Nye uh, just in my opinion, just, it wasn't even a debate. These things that they bring up about, you know, well, this and that and the other, they don't, they're, they're not consistent. They're not oh. verifiable. They're not backed by science and history like the Bible is. I've not watched uh, that particular debate, but I have watched other debates between uh, biblical scholars or Christian scholars in Islamic scholars or, or supposed Hindu scholars or something like that. And I see the same thing, the same trend. These Islamic scholars and Hindu scholars are generally inconsistent. And I think, I think a major reason is the text that they're arguing for is inconsistent. And it's not perfect. Whereas what we have in the Word of God is perfect proven historically, geographically, geog um, and in many other ways, scientifically and so forth. Yeah. There, the idea of studying the infallibility of the Bible, the reliability of the Bible, Bible translations, I enjoy the topic because, and I, I kind of already alluded to some of it, but it can always go deeper. There, the, yeah. It's such a such a deep topic you can look you know when it comes to the different translations that's always a big question is what bible translation uh should i use you know there's so many questions that you can study and research and learn about when was that version published who published it what manuscript or collection of manuscripts did they use when was that manuscript found where was it found who found it and who translated it what language was it in how many copies of that manuscript uh, was found, can it be traced back to the words of the apostles? But ultimately, too, what biases did those translators have? You know what I'm getting at? We all have them, yeah. whether we want to admit it or not. Every one of us does. 
I'm a big fan of, I personally, I, I read out of the, the New King James right. a lot, and I, I refer and use other translations, obviously, I think a lot of people do, but the King James and the New King James have some errors, in my opinion, errors in the words selected yes. for certain Greek words, and you can research and study and find that they were biased on certain you know, beliefs tied to Catholicism when they chose those words. That has nothing to do, that does not make the Bible fallible or or an error. Right. That's more of a man, uh, an error that man made in the English word they chose to translate that portion of Scripture. There's errors too in the scribal copies going further back than the King James Mm-hmm. Even the 1611 King James. Um, one study that I have that I give often says I have in the notes there that there's like 400,000 errors. And a large portion of these errors are misspelled words, yeah. inverted phrases. Instead of Jesus Christ, and I have Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, punctuation. And I have no clue about punctuation in Koine Greek. Or in Old Testament Hebrew, no clue whatsoever. I barely have. I barely understand <laughs> punctuation in English. True, the same here. So it's easy to get those things mixed up, especially if you're hand copying a letter or something like that. So those mistakes are easily discounted mm-hmm. if you boil it down to the very nitty gritty, the very most serious supposed errors. There's only about three texts that can be considered as a major error. And if you take those three texts out, nothing changes in doctrine. Mm -hmm. Nothing changes. That's what blows my mind when people say the Bible's not perfect. Okay, so what if that text is taken out? The doctrine doesn't change because it's taught in other places in Scripture. Correct. Yeah. No, you're you're dead on. Interesting thing, and we did not intend on this uh, episode being about Bible translations necessarily. <laughs> but interesting thing, you know, people look at the King James and regard it as, as I mean, there's there's the big King James only right. uh, controversy. Um, when the King James Version was initially published, the pilgrims hated it. They right. called it a liberal version of the they Bible. Uh, they were much more of a fan of the Geneva Bible. and And so that just goes to show that, you know, we're we're not talking about the the writings of God. Those those authors, when they were writing those words down, it was with the hand of God controlling their hand. Amen. You know, and so it, it is perfect. So you're talking about the authors who wrote. I I think one of the big proofs for for the scripture, Peter, uh, Matthew, and John, authors of the New Testament books, right. They were eyewitnesses. With They walked and talked with Jesus. John was one of the closest with Jesus. Jude and James were Jesus' half-brothers. And the scripture talk about glaring supposed inconsistencies or problems. They didn't believe in Jesus at first. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until after his resurrection that they converted and then became leaders in the church. And then you have... Mark, who was the son of Mary, who was the nephew of Barnabas, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, 
he was interconnected with with the church early early on Luke and Paul were not original followers of Jesus Luke was a gentile these were men from outside Luke was a highly trained medical person the scriptures called him a doctor he was a researcher he was a historian the apostle Paul was arguably one of the most educated men of his time. These were not men who were imbeciles or men who would risk their reputation on something that they were willing, that was flimsy or that was weak. And yet they were willing to die. And for the most part did die for the things that they recorded for us. Yeah, that's to me, like you said, many of the apostles died the, the, you know they were martyrs right few people would die for something they knew was not False. true yeah that's right i think that you know it was a big thing with jesus's resurrection was that the apostles you know had something to do with taking jesus's <sighs> body they wouldn't have died they wouldn't have given no. their life no you had it, that have been the case this isn't about the resurrection but if if we were talking about the resurrection, these men gave up a coveted, treasured way of life for that was their way of life for generations in their family. They turned their back on it. And then they were willing to die for this truth. Mm-hmm. That's not something that a person would do unless they were convicted that it was true. Correct. So I guess the question is, are you convicted that it's true? Yes, sir. I'm convicted that it's true. I'm I am so impressed by what the Bible says that I am willing to make sacrifices Amen. in my life and do things in my life or not do things in my life because how you know what the Bible has to say. And I am thankful to to know people like that and have them in my life who support me in the work and support me in the sacrifices that we make um, to be able to do this. I, my wife, my helpmate, mm-hmm. is, is chief among them, you know? Yeah, I was, just, I was just thinking that, you know, there are sacrifices that my family, my wife, makes yeah. to support me in this work right. because she is impressed and, and um, convicted by the Bible. Anything else before we call this one to a close? Do you mind if I read a quote Please do. from another Oxford scholar and then I'll be done? So he's a smart guy then. <laughs> he's smarter than me. <laughs> um, he was the president of archaeology in Jerusalem, of all places, an Oxford scholar. He said, both the authenticity and general integrity of the books of the New Testament may be regarded as finally established. Thus, the Christian can take the whole Bible in his hand and say without fear or hesitation, that he holds in it the true word of God handed down without essential loss from generation to generation throughout the centuries. Amen. It sounds like a smart guy to me. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding the reliability of the scriptures or salvation, Christian living, or any other topics, please reach out to us and we'll be happy to try to answer those questions with the Bible, the inspired, the perfect, the reliable Bible as our authority. 
Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast where we discuss relevant, important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. Once again, if you're listening or watching and you live with us here in the Waterloo, Cedar Falls, or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources that we can send to you. We have Bible study courses by mail, and we'd also love to study the Bible with you in person. Feel free to reach out to us on our website at cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook or YouTube pages at cedarterracecoc, or the email addresses or phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Michael Bolton. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. God bless.